You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante, and this is the last day of negotiations before the MLB season needs to be postponed or games are canceled. That's a real deadline. It wasn't invented by ownership. It's fully legitimate. So when they say today's the deadline, you better believe today's the deadline. According to the molecular gastronomy of the universe, This is the day. If they negotiate tomorrow, sorry, too late. Game's canceled. So we're going to bring you all the latest from the lockout, and that includes Yankees icon and legend Derek Jeter, who is stepping down from his post with the Miami Marlins. What does this mean for his future, the sport of baseball's future, and can we just please lure him back to New York? Plus, another Yankees captain, not an official one, but one who might as well be one because he's been here forever, Brett Gardner, Wants to come back in 2022. Stop me if you've heard this before. He'd like to do it with the Yankees. Would the Yankees like to do it with him? If they would, it means they had no offseason plan to begin with, which we told you months ago. But we will deal with that as well as all the lockout news. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. Do not accidentally drop us your review for Rob Manfred's leadership. I don't want two stars polluting the iTunes space because you think you're in Rob Manfred's podcast and you're saying, you know, two out of 100, absolutely useless leadership, nothing, no pilot, no steering, no direction. Um, We don't want to get caught up in that. So just 
just make sure you're on the right podcast. Also catch us live on YouTube. Two o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays all offseason long. And the offseason is all year long at this juncture. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the breaking news and the captain that we can hopefully bring back to the Bronx sooner rather than later? Yeah, good. Well, <clears throat> actually don't know. Do we want to start do we want to start positively or do we want to end positively? Let's end positively. Let's start horribly. Okay. Lockout time. Yeah. Lockout time. You're locked out of the pod. I am too. Uh, it was not my decision. Uh, the owners locked us out of our own podcast. And again, today is the deadline, and we had a lot of momentum in the last week. And by a lot of momentum, I mean base-level conversations that probably should have been happening on December 4th, but they're happening in person at the end of February, just before the uh, ownership-imposed deadline for the start of the regular season uh, coming on time. Again, this is not in the bylaws or in the charter that if we don't have an agreement by March 1st, the games get moved. This is just something they invented like last week, and now we're living by it. And we're not really getting any closer to a resolution here because even the progress is just rhetorical progress that should have been made again on like December 3rd. Yeah, and like we said, even with the expanded meetings and the more frequent meetings, there's there's nothing to be positive about. There's nothing to be positive until we see some sort of movement just because the two sides are me. Yesterday on Sunday, the first meeting didn't occur until like the like almost noon or something like that, or maybe like 11 a.m. or something. Yeah. And they were done in 10 minutes and then went to meet and then took a break. So like what they, they shook everybody's hand, everybody got a glass of water and then they're like, all right, we'll see you back here in three hours. Mm-hmm. Literally have no idea what they're doing. The the news coming out of uh is it in Florida or is it in Arizona? I don't even give a I shit. Actually keep getting to, yeah, I keep getting confused there, but I also don't care. I, I think it's in Florida. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense because I think they wouldn't be negotiating at like 9 a.m. on a weekend mm-hmm. because they, they've had no urgency to negotiate before. Why are they going to wake up early in the morning and do it? Um, Evan Drellich of The Athletic said today, um, actually a half hour ago, um, that the owners indicated a willingness to cancel a month of games and took a, quote, more threatening tone than Sunday. Once again, I don't know what the threatening tone was or why that would be necessary. Uh, supposedly, um, the players um, offered a comprehensive collective bargaining agreement offer for the owners um, and were willing to relent a little bit on some of the uh, the larger talking points, and the owners saw no appeal to it. Um, so at this point... It does seem like the owners are going for blood here. They want exactly everything that they think they're going to get. Um, And now I renege all my criticism of the players. I don't care, dude. Don't agree to one single thing for these assholes because it's clear that they have, they have a motive where they think that they have everybody by the balls and they are not going to um, relent on a single financial aspect or at least meet in the midway. Like we talked about um, last week, the pre-arbitration bonus pool, the players wanted $115 million. The owners countered with $10 million. Um, even if it was $60 million, that's $2 million per team, and it solves the problem. Or you could even go a little bit further and say, hey, the bigger market teams should chip in a little bit more. Smaller market teams don't have to. Um, and now we're in this giant argument about draft pick compensation um, attached to free agents, which just shouldn't be a thing. They're trying to expand the playoffs in the most the most asinine way possible. That, mm-hmm. that the ghost win, yeah, that we saw yesterday. I, I don't even, I can't even, I don't even believe that this is part of the conversation at this point with everything no. else that's gone unsolved. Um, I know expanded playoffs is a big um, uh, is a big talking point because the players can actually uh, gain some leverage here 
by agreeing to that and then finding ways to create avenues for advantages of their own. Um, but even with these proposals of expanded playoffs, it doesn't seem like any of those avenues are being created um, for the players. So I'm standing by the players. Do not move an inch. I know it's your livelihood here because you're going to be missing out on um, on payments starting what tomorrow um, after this is fully uh, after this is, I guess, the uh, um, the deadline, the fake deadline mm-hmm. that was after the owners didn't want to talk for almost two months. And then they decided to make a deadline. Just stand strong because the owners are going to figure out how detrimental it is to not have baseball and how the players are very instrumental to it. And it'll just be a partial rerun of what happened during the COVID season. And we'll hear all the owners cry again about lost profits, about lost um, merchandise sales of everything. Everybody's canceling their MLB TV subscriptions, even though MLB TV sent out a thing today that said they will not be renewed until the collective bargaining agreement is, is finalized. That was a good PR uh, PR uh, strategy by them, but we knew that they would have been renewing it if more people didn't, if more people weren't complaining about it on social mm-hmm. media. So players stand strong, um, fully in your corner. I will not accept any other player criticism regarding the lockout at this time. Thank you. There we go. There, I mean, there was a rumor they were going to walk away on Saturday that things got so contentious they were ready to walk away from the bargaining table. And at that point, it was like, isn't that the common sense answer? Why, why are they coming back on Sunday? Why are they coming back on Monday? Other than to save face and make the you know argument to the general public that they're trying here and the owners aren't trying here, but they... Owners haven't moved an inch. One iota. They're moving on the tiniest little things. They're agreeing on potential lottery. How many teams we're going to include in a draft lottery we're going to install. But then the next morning, they're going back on it. They can't even agree on the tiniest things and the tiniest moves for more than 12 hours. They wake up the next day and decide the move didn't go far enough. And these these players are, uh, I mean, have consistently moved in the direction of ownership every couple of days. Not in a way that piqued the ownership's interest and not in a way that's gotten the conversation moving. But every time somebody moves, it's the players. So what doesn't line up to me is why the owners, you're right, whined and cried about the 60-game COVID season and said they had the biggest losses in the history of the sport. And and this is like a bad investment. And this is like investing in Enron or whatever. And the (laughs) 60-game season with no fans ruin their lives, and yet they're completely willing to just chop a month off of the 2022 season. I thought missing games was the worst thing that ever happened to you. You led us to believe you could never spend again because of how short 2020 was and how that ruined your profit margins. You didn't have gate receipts, and you only had 60 games of TV revenue, etc. Well, what about 130 games of revenue in a season where you have, you know, the full non-pandemic affected ability to play 162? You're going to throw 30 into a trash can. You hate that. You just said you hated that. You just said it ruined your entire spending plan when you were forced by a deadly virus to do that two years ago. And now you're just like, we'll get rid of a month. We don't care. A month is meaningless to us, which again makes me think that ownership has always wanted to chop the baseball. Like the Rob Manfred piloted ownership has is interested in the idea of what it looks like if a major league baseball season is 130 or 140 games long records be damned no one will ever get 200 hits again no one will ever win 20 games not that they were going to do that anyway but the 300 win club is out the window not a real thing no one will ever join um i mean if if the game means that little to you that you're just like what if baseball was 130 games then yeah this is what you would do you would uh, set an arbitrary deadline for agreeing to start the season that really, you know, I mean, we we need a month or so ramp up, sure, spring training, but we could bump the season 
the World Series could end in the middle of November if it had to. There are many reasons why the season does not have to get truncated today, and yet they've decided that it does because they seem extremely willing to see what happens with a slightly shortened season. 60 games with no fans didn't work for them, but what about 130, 140 games with full capacity? And then again, we are totally willing to lose a month of the season is the message from owners to players. And it makes me wonder why wouldn't the message from players to owners be like, fuck it, two months. Like (laughs) why why would the players at that point be like what they're supposed to shake hands and be like done a month gone. That sounds great. Now let's agree. Like a month is perfect. Now let's spend two weeks talking about core economics. No, I'm going to be like, you want to just throw a month of my career uh, in the trash can. You're so willing to do that. Um, that's going to affect you too, even though you don't seem to realize it yet. Sure. Uh, I'll raise you. Let's, let's go another month because at this point it's clear. The game is meaningless to the people in charge. Yeah. Unfortunate. Um, the, I said the, the U S justice department just needs to get involved. Someone's got to come in and like, they can't, I, I know it's a joke, but you can't, the people can't act like this. People with billions of dollars cannot people act. Can't, like you this. just can't, you can't act be this like way. Children. Um, it's, it's, it's very evident at this point, how much the owners do not care. Um, and they only care mm-hmm. about profits. They do not care about the game. I know there is, there's a good mixture, not a good mixture. There is a mixture of owners who care, who don't care, who view it as a business, who view it as a little exclusive club where they could do whatever the hell they want. And it just makes their life more convenient. But, uh, the fact that also there was a discussion last week about how every owner has, you know, similar power. So, uh, they need a majority for these two for the agreements to happen, and all the small, small, smaller market teams are obviously not going to agree on things like the competitive balance tax increase. They don't, they don't want to agree to that. Um, so that's going to be kind of held in limbo based on what the owners are willing to relent on. And you talk, we talk about the owners in in a in a larger picture, which is the way to go about it. But don't forget that the, the every owner needs to be mostly on the same page with all of these things. And it's just not going to happen due to the perceived disparity that we think exists. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really exist because once again, these are all billionaires with teams that are worth over a billion dollars that have appreciated exponentially. Um, the only time a purchase of a team of this magnitude is risky is if you're Steve Cohen and you are worth $14 billion and you massively overpay for the Mets and their TV network and then start spending like a madman the second um, you have the opportunity to. And then at that point, is it really a risk if you have that much money? The answer is no, it's not. So great. Moving on. Brett Gardner, folks. Great. Exciting news. Brett Gardner on, uh, I believe it was Saturday. His agent spoke to Joel Sherman of the New York Post. Mm-hmm. And Gardner relayed to his agent that he would love to play in 2022. He's back. He's going to be playing. Will it be with the Yankees? He wants it to be, but he said he's going to play. He understands the possibility that it won't be with the Bombers. Um, and now you're wondering because we're at the time. We're at the time period. It's end of February. This is where Brett Gardner resurfaces. <laughs> it's time to shine. You yeah. don't hear a word from Brett Gardner for four months, and then he pops in. And he's got himself a one-year deal worth $4.5 million with an option for the following year that has a $2 million buyout. So the man's making money. He already made money this offseason. He had a $1.3 or $5 million buyout just mm-hmm. cashed out right at the end of the year. So does Brett Gardner really have to worry about next year? He already made his money. I know the taxes in New York are a little high, but like you're still looking at like, you know, 800, 900K profit right there. Go hang out in Florida, dude. Have fun. But now I'm – 
I'm wondering if this is going to affect the Yankees offseason plans. It seems to me that they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting for the perfect sendoff for Gardy. Uh, 14 years in the Bronx. Um, very weird last few years. His contract extension um, ended after the 2018 season. They brought him back for 2019, had the career year. Then why not resign him for 2020? 2020 taken over by the pandemic. Oh, Brett Gardner can't possibly go out after a pandemic shortened season where the Yankees fell horribly short and embarrassed themselves in the playoffs after upgrading in the offseason. So let's bring him back for 2021. And here we are. He's brought back one of the worst seasons he's had in recent memory, entering his age 38 campaign now. If this alters the Yankees' offseason plans, it proves that they didn't really have anything momentous to begin with and that they're waiting They're waiting for this tailor-made departure for Brett Gardner. That may not ever happen because now we're 13 years staring down the barrel, no World Series appearance. Um, it's clear that something is going to happen with this roster as it has of the, over the last five years where somebody is getting a lot of playing time and the production just simply needs to be better. I understand 2019 – was an incredible year from Brett Gardner, but that is not happening again. And I could just I could just tell you why quickly. One, I'm not attributing it all to the juice ball, but we saw the numbers over those years Come on. Ex- increase exponentially. So if you look at Gardner's 2019 season, I just crunched these numbers just because I was wondering, I wanted to know. 2019, 141 games, he batted 251 with an 829 OPS, 117 OPS plus, 86 runs scored, 29 homers, 74 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. Between 2018, 2020, and 2021, which was a combined 329 games, he hit 229 with a 697 OPS, 96 OPS plus, 162 runs scored, 27 home runs, which is two fewer than he hit in that one season, 99 RBI, and 23 stolen bases. Those stolen bases should be so much higher over the course of 329 games. So, I don't know what's going to happen. If you're asking me, this cannot be an integral part of their decision-making. If he comes back, it's got to be under the right circumstances. He needs to be de-emphasized. They need to make sure that there is somebody who is more capable of producing across the board, willing to overtake the majority of reps. Should somebody get injured or should there be a scenario where someone misses an extended period of time? We've seen it happen the last four years. Can't happen again. This is how the Yankees need to get better. The depth needs to be improved. They can't, they can't be dealing with uh, lineup disparity where they don't have enough lefties and Brett Gardner is forced to bat leadoff or third. It's just not what a winning team would do. Brett Gardner should be perennially batting eighth and ninth and probably seeing 100, and, 100 games a year. I think that that's fair. I'm not, that's not being mean. I, think, I, I love Brett Gardner, um, but at this point, age 38 season, there are better players out there. There are more uh, multidimensional players out there, um, and the Yankees need to show that 2022 is the true make-or-break year for them to start making really, really important decisions for the future of this franchise. Fun fact, this is Brett Gardner's fourth straight age 38 season. Isn't that weird? He's been 38 for the last several years. Uh, I, I mean, we, we you can't say it any more succinctly than that. And it, it, If Gardner's on this roster, the Yankees did not have a plan. It doesn't. It's not rude to say. It's He was on the... 2021 roster yet again he was de-emphasized in theory he was not supposed to play as much as he did needless to say injuries led to him playing a ton of baseball he had about a three-week stretch where he was effective and most of the year he was borderline unplayable offensively we watched what this roster looks like with this age brett gardner playing the number of games he played and it wasn't good enough I love Brett Gardner as much as the next person, probably more 
than most of the next people because a lot of those people have no like are 19 years old did not watch brett gardner's prime and are beyond ready to cut bait and say he is done i would have given gardner a little longer leash than most of those people i was happy when he was re-signed in 2021 because in 2019 he was fantastic Rocketball, another user of the Rocketball. 2020, he was unplayable for about a month, then was the Yankees' best hitter in September and took Clint Frazier's starting spot, which yeah. brought him to roughly league average, like you said, that 96 OPS plus that he seems to maintain year in and year out. Not exceptional, not terrible, really nothing to write home about. But again, now he's 38. He's another year older, unless you check baseball reference, and he's been 38 for four straight years, which could be true, honestly. I don't know if I'm kidding or not. We watched last year with Gardner in the emphasized role as which became a fourth outfielder and occasionally a third outfielder. We want him to be a fifth outfielder. He never is. Aaron Hicks is not going to play significant time for the New York Yankees this year, at least not in my mental projections, right? If I'm entering the season, I can't possibly believe that Aaron Hicks is going to play serious time or start or starters reps for 150 games. I can't possibly believe that. I have to build the team as if he won't. If he wants to OBP 400 and hit 280 and hit 20 homers and play above average defense in center field for 150 games, that's unbelievable. That raises the Yankees ceiling. They can carry Ender and Ciarte. They can carry Brett Gardner. They can alternate Joey Gallo and Giancarlo Stanton in the DH spot in left field. They can use Gardner for 84 games. The Yankees can win the World Series. We can all go home. But there's absolutely no reason to hang on to Brett Gardner until he wins a World Series so they can say goodbye. That is so hard to do. They have not won a World Series since 2009. You cannot carry dead weight on your roster just in hopes that that person who is definitely less of a beloved player than people believe him to be, he's lower on the totem pole than like a Bobby Mercer. I mean, he's lower than any of the core four, five, six. He's not getting his number retired like Paul O'Neill. 11 is going to re-enter circulation when Brent Gardner leaves. So we can't bend over backwards for somebody who we've enjoyed in pinstripes. But this is like saying we have to win a World Series for Jimmy Key. We have to keep extending Jimmy Key until he wins a World Series. Like, you just you can't do that for the 22nd guy on your roster. I'm not changing my roster construction so I can send Justin Wilson off into the sunset. Like, yeah. that's, not, that's not how the sport works. And I mean, maybe it is how it works for the Yankees, though, because how many times have they saved three to five million dollars at the expense of an additional win? They're sending Luis Sessa to the Reds in the middle of the season just to create money uh, and space for a trade they never make. So, I mean, Brett Gardner at four million dollars plus the one point five million dollar or whatever buyout might be more valuable to the Yankees who rely on sentimentality than getting an extra win and paying ten million dollars for Jock Peterson. They might rather pay five million for Brett Gardner, an inferior player because he means something nostalgic to, I don't know, what what percentage of fans are going to be more nostalgic and happy that Brett Gardner is on the Yankees instead of excited to win games? Like 0.0005%? Is that a guy who exists? Is there anybody who's like, I'm glad we maintain continuity with Brett Gardner because, you know, if we're not going to win the World Series anyway, and I'm glad that I just got to enjoy Brett Gardner one more time, but the one more time is again and again and again because it's until they win a title. So there's never going to be a comfortable goodbye. 2020 was weird. There were no fans. 
he he said goodbye to an empty stadium. 2021, a lot of people were here to say goodbye. They had some walk-offs. Gardner walked off the Mariners. That was a great moment. Um, you know, nobody wants to to say it's over, but the Yankees can do better and they should do better. Yeah, I'm kind of I have this hot take in my head that I don't I, I'm not feeling strongly about it, but I'm wondering if he's the last guy on this roster to win a championship. He's the last guy on this roster to have gone to the world series. Mm -hmm. Do the Yankees just need to move on and let the new era of players? Like, I don't know. We're not in the locker room. I don't know if there's discomfort. I don't know if there's like a hierarchy in terms of who's the veteran voice and who Mm -hmm. um, takes charge. You know, Aaron judge on uh, the R2C2 podcast alluded to his responsibility in regard to taking over those duties. But is Gardner's presence uh, some sort of a not a bad interruption, but just like a, a natural interruption? Because everyone's like, oh, it's Brett Gardner, dude. He was won a World Series here. Like maybe. And then you have that weird report about him screwing around with Garrett Cole and Garrett Cole getting all mad. Mm-hmm. Don't know how true that is. Don't really want to believe it because it sounds really dumb. And then it kind of reflects poorly on Garrett Cole, if you ask me. But yeah, I'm wondering just like if the changing of the guard. Let the, let the last era go. It was a great era. We had our moments. 14 years of Brett Gardner in the same uniform, I think, is admirable, to, to, to put it, I think, as nicely as possible. There are better adjectives for that. But I don't know if that would help, if kind of just ushering in a new group of guys who are taking this by the reins and letting it, letting it fly, doing what they got to do. Um, so... That's that's my thought. I don't know how in-depth I can really go there, um, but it was something that popped into my head when you're wondering, you know, about the future of this team, especially after 2022 with you're going to have you're going to have roster turnover. Um, and I don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know who's going to be here. So I don't know if you start that transition now with Gardner or you wait. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. That's that's what I was feeling this morning, though, and I was kind of afraid to say it, but I think I was pretty uh, pedestrian there. I mean, I'm going to feel very weird and bad if they get rid of Gardner and the locker room just immediately gets better and the guys are having an amazing time. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Like, what? did we not only waste plate appearances on this guy, but also he was a, he had a negative impact on the current crop of like that just uh, that. I mean, that that was, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. No one's been in the locker room for two years. We literally don't know. No. Did he kill Bronxy? I mean, we don't know. <laughs> somebody killed Bronxy. Could have been Brett Gardner. We'll just never know. Ooh, a little, somebody popping into the chat. All right. Gardner comes back. You have to use the DH for him and like Cole hit. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I'll, I'll explore. Uh, thanks. So, I mean, it gets CC back at that point. I don't think Garrett Cole wants to uh, explore the, uh, the the short porch himself. Although, can you imagine Garrett Cole ripping one of the short porch and then giving an angry Garrett Cole stare like he just gave one up to the short porch and then realizing that he actually homered? He's like, oh, actually. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, actually, cool. That was pretty fun. Um, yeah, interesting thought. Uh, I think Gardner's still, he's got a better bat than Garrett Cole, but that's not yeah. saying much. So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So, tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush that for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. So let's talk about Jeets. 
just the facts, the straight dope on Derek Jeter leaving the Miami Marlins this morning. Shock and awe for sure. I mean, I, I didn't uh, see that coming, especially at this tense part of, of the labor negotiations. He stepped down as CEO. Uh, he is obviously no longer a decision maker in Miami. I'm going to pull up the Buster only tweet that you were talking about. I'm sure these guys have nothing else to discuss. Um, he, he claimed that the perception was his ownership share would grow. Uh, that's what Jeter said, that he, he thought he was going to grow and import and get more share, and that never happened. Bruce Sherman, the guy who controls the money, reportedly became more and more acclimated with being the money guy and was dictating uh, you know, expenditures from Miami. Um, I'm going to pull up Joel Sherman's tweet again, uh, just to, I'm reading these directly. These, these are not my thoughts. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts on what may have transpired with Jeter here. And, uh, you know, Francisco Lindor and Mitch Garver and, and Miguel Rojas and a lot of players across baseball are taking this as a solidarity measure. A lot of people are saying that this had something to do with um, you know, the, the, what he per, what Jeter perceives as the future of baseball, what Jeter perceives as the future of winning in baseball, what what ownership's uh, perception of the game is and the way the game is played. Joel Sherman's tweet heard Jeter believed going into the lockout that there would be another 10 million to 15 million that the Marlins would spend on the 2022 roster. And that strategy evaporated during the lockout. It was central to Jeter's decision to leave as CEO. So he thought he was going to get to expand some boundaries. The Marlins did not see it that way. Of course, Jeter was building a vision for the future surround that, you know, in large part depended on spending money. Eventually, you can only build a farm system so far before you also spend money to supplement it. There's a lot in that farm system that wasn't there when he got there. Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara on the big league roster, J.J. Bladé, a couple of really good top Marlins draft picks. They loaded up on pitching in the last several drafts. Trevor Rogers, also at the big league level last year, was uh, you know a near rookie of the year winner, uh, a high performer. There's a ton of pitching talent there. They're in a tough division, and if they're not going to spend that money to get them over the hump, I believe they signed obviously El Garcia before the lockout. That yeah. did happen, right? That's not a fever dream. Nope. Yeah, so they got a little bit better this offseason and then went into the lockout and apparently lost. 10 to 15 million dollars that they thought they were going to spend and and 10 to 15 million dollars is not even that much it's, it's one player it's it's one difference maker so that that's all we know that's what we know um we want Derek Jeter in the Bronx we want an infusion of uh somebody who knows what it takes to win in this city and win in this game in general specifically uh entering the front office uh I'm not saying Derek Jeter should take over for Brian Cashman but I would love to see him in the boogie down instead of in Miami. However, if Jeter's main problem with the Marlins was that difference between paying for that extra 1.5 or two wins to put your team over the edge, <laughs> he's not going to jive with the Yankees current front office either. That's that's <laughs> not going to be a comfortable home for him because that's the definition of what they don't do. Day one, walking into the Yankees front office going, uh, so how are we going to spend our money? And they were like, I think we're going to do Brett Gardner again. He's like, I quit again. I quit. <laughs> It's been a good time. I've enjoyed my time here, but yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, I mean, how badly do you want Jeter in the Bronx, though? It's it's oh, just it's so tempting. It would be great. I don't, and I keep thinking about it. And then you look at the Yankees front office hierarchy, and it's Randy Levine is president, Brian Cashman general manager since the year 2000. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do here? Does Jeter come in as a special advisor, which the Yankees have done with players before? Um, I don't know what other role. Maybe eh, no, because. Um, Gene Afterman is uh, assistant GM, so you don't you're not going to do anything there. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to envision what it might be. I would like somebody with his um, experience, his championship experience, with that type of um, opinion and uh, and mentality 
overriding some of the other decisions that are made because it's clear that you know that there there's there's a threshold for which some executives know what it takes to actually win baseball games versus what the what the uh, numbers are telling you or what some peripheral statistics are telling you or what you know some uh, some indications might be for a breakout or for a certain fit. Um, sometimes it's not all in the numbers. Sometimes it's just in the person. Um, it's in the the motivator. Um, it's in the personality. It's in the characteristic traits. Um, and the Yankees seem to lack the championship gumption that we have seen in years past. Jeter helped snap the Yankees, what, 17-year World Series drought back in 95. Now he's one of the last – he was of the last generation of players to win – um, in 2009, we're looking at a 13-year World Series drought now. So um, I know it's not the longest. I know, you know, we're spoiled Yankee fans. We're little babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get a guy in there. And look, you can you can eye the Marlins situation all you want and think that some people would argue that maybe the Marlins didn't get back in return what they should have for some of the guys that they've traded. This was not on Derek Jeter, I don't think. This was on Marlins' ownership to slash payroll in a grand fashion – it happened in succession. You saw all these guys go. They they had to unload Stanton's three hundred twenty five million dollar deal. Then Christian Yelich followed, or then Marcelo Zuna followed, then Christian Yelich, then JT Real Muto, and they didn't want to pay JT Real Muto. So that's essentially what it came down to. I'm sure Derek Jeter would have loved to pay to have paid two more of those guys. He knows that those guys are very good baseball players. And he would have had a he would have had a nice core to build around as well. And then you look at the Marlins payroll situation since Jeter's been there. Jeter got hired after the 2017 regular season and was there for that offseason. 2018, they ranked 23rd in payroll. And then the next three years, they were 27th to 30th, mm-hmm. back and forth. Right there with the Rays, right there with the Pirates, right there with the Orioles. That's not a winning team. That's not on Derek Jeter. That's on ownership initiative and what they want to mm-hmm. do and what they want to save. And look, Jeter brought in. Those guys that you mentioned before, don't forget about Garrett Cooper, who's been good, Pablo Lopez, Jazz Chisholm, all these guys who are who, who are part of this this core that they have. I know they haven't been good because of what their record indicates, but like, you know, this is a first time experiment with what the Marlins are doing right now. They and it's an it was a new regime. You can't expect the utmost success, um, especially when you don't have money to supplement the younger talent that you've gotten. Um, and now they have an appealing farm. I think five of the last four of the last five draft picks of first yeah. rounders are yeah. top eight in the system. And those were all Jeter draft picks are oversaw by Derek Jeter um, in the process. Um, so they have one of the strongest farms in the league. It's not really up for debate. So when you look at the situation in Miami and you know who Derek Jeter is, Derek Jeter is a winner. Derek Jeter is a, an extreme competitor. Um, and he seems to be based on everything we've seen of him since retirement, um, even during his playing days, he's a level-headed guy. He know, he he He's point-blank about situations. He knows what it takes to accomplish certain things, and he's more than willing to go the extra mile to accomplish those certain things just based on his playing record um, and his various accomplishments throughout his career. So um, I don't know what the role would be in New York. I know it seems too obvious and it seems too pipe dreamy, but why does it have to be that way? Why can't we just welcome back a guy who just got inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame after playing his entire career with you, bring him back during a pretty rough era of Yankees baseball, the manner in which they've fallen short over the last five, six years, 
um, and just reinvigorate the franchise. You don't think Aaron Judge is going to be excited to hear that Derek Jeter is joining the front office or has some sort of role with the team. You don't think that that would, that would excite other guys, even young players who, you know, maybe they're trading for or they're looking for in free agency or they're signing via the uh, international market or via the draft. Like, that's going the, the Yankees already have enough hype behind them. It's putting on the pinstripes, you know, it's it's a whole different experience. You're 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 never gonna do this again in your life. Now, if you're literally working for Derek Jeter, so many players who are now of age that grew up watching him are gonna be like, Holy shit, this is awesome. Let's do it. So the Yankees, this is off the cuff for them just because it's gonna be a high profile move and because it's gonna require some tinkering within the front office. I, I don't I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I don't even know if Jeter wants to do it. I, I don't know if that's something he wants. Maybe he wants another position where he's in charge and, and he's running yeah. the show. And I don't know if that's possible in New York, but based on the moves that he made in Miami that we saw to rebuild this team and he has them on the right track. If the Marlins can just tweak some things here and there, they've been in a very winnable division for the last four or five years. Um, and it's clear ownership restricted them from getting to the ultimate goal. They made the playoffs in 2020. They beat the Cubs in the wild card series. They moved on to the NLDS. They ended up getting swept, but you saw, I know 162 games is much more of a marathon than 60, but you saw the the blueprint there. The blueprint existed. Um, and that blueprint is not going to take the next step without supplementation. And it seemed like there were restrictions um, and there were, uh, the, it was what the owners are doing right now. Essentially, it's trying to trying to um, create something out of nothing um, or to squeeze every last uh, bit of juice out of the lemon. Um, And it's not it's not it's just not sustainable for what we are in this day and age. Uh, Money is what makes the world go around, especially in professional sports. Um, You got to pay to be relevant. Um, And if he's asking for 10 to 15 million, if that was true, uh, based on what Sherman said, um, that's that's like that's like what two above average players taking up starting roles at like not that important positions. Maybe you're signing, maybe you're signing a left fielder for 7 million or 8 million a year. And then you're signing a first baseman or a second baseman or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or a couple relievers, or maybe you, maybe you go crazy. You trade some of your starters and then you bring in another starter with money. I don't know, but seemed like his, if those, if those were actually his demands, very, very pedestrian, and not at all excessive. And he wasn't, if that was, if that was true and he wasn't getting that leeway, then the fit's gone. Don't don't, it's not worth saying there. Um, Cause how much work can you really do? How much more can you build a farm system? You're not going to attract players in any other way, aside from getting other superstars there. Um, and it seemed like that the new regime was forced to gut every, every, you know, semblance of superstar in the organization and start from scratch. And now what? Nothing. So bring them to the Bronx. Come on, come on. Bring him to the Bronx. There's a lot of top 100 talent in Miami system. Like, don't get it twisted. Khalil Watson, the shortstop, fell pretty far to them last year. They got a huge steal in the first round. He's MLB Pipeline's number 27 overall prospect in the top 100. Edward Cabrera, the righty pitcher, is number 29. Max Meyer, the righty pitcher and first rounder, is number 30. And even though Sixto Sanchez is falling down a little bit and had a weird shoulder injury last year, didn't seem to get the velo back, He's number 41. I'm Now I'm scrolling down the rest of the list, but that's four in the top 41. I'm not sure if they're going to have another cameo in here. Oh, look, J.J. Bladé is 71. There's five. Uh, let's continue scrolling just to just to be safe. 
Um, I think we're out though. Yeah, that's it. So five in the top 100, but four in the top 41. And, and depending on how you feel about Sixto Sanchez, I think a lot of people think like, well, he's their top prospect and and he's struggling. So then what, what, do, you, what do they even have in that farm system? Three guys rank ahead of him in two yeah. great drafts in a row with Meyer and, uh, and Khalil Watson. So a lot to like in Miami, I, I would say, but again, it would appear that there is a serious disconnect between Jeter and between the money side of things and Bruce Sherman. Godspeed on uncontrolling those negotiations because clearly baseball is a, a sport full of winners at this juncture. So we hope to welcome Derek Jeter to the Bronx. Um, if we don't get that chance, can we at least bring baseball back? Can we at least welcome baseball to the Bronx in general. It would feel great. Uh, I would love to watch baseball games, but specifically, I love the New York Yankees. Um, and as difficult as Major League Baseball is to love right now, I love Major League Baseball. I love Minor League Baseball. My favorite sport. I'm not a huge college baseball fan, not a huge KBO fan. That didn't scratch my itch during the early part of the pandemic when there was no baseball. I don't follow the Japanese, you know, baseball league that closely. What I want is Major League Baseball back. And the longer this goes, the more disillusioned I get. And I am in the top one percentile of your diehards. I promise you that. And and Thomas Carinante, so are you. Neither of us are the kind of people who are very quick to abandon this sport I, I just don't like the mentality that's on Twitter. I mean, of course, we should celebrate college baseball players. We should celebrate the greatness that is going on at other levels. I don't disagree. But all the people who are saying, what do you mean baseball is canceled? There's baseball everywhere. There's Cal Poly on ESPN+. Plus. That is not what I'm trying to watch. That is not the same. I'm happy to watch it, but it's background noise to me. It does not scratch the same fandom itch. I do not enjoy it as much. I'm in it for the 162 game roller coaster with the team that I love that I devoted my life to. No disrespect to the collegiate athletes. Happy to watch it. Happy to let it buzz around like white noise. It's not the baseball I'm talking about. I don't think you disagree. So we're not as willing as the owners to just throw a month in the trash can. But if it's a month, why wouldn't it be two months? And then why wouldn't we just have another 100 game season? That doesn't really mean a lot to the diehards like you and me and have to justify why there's such a shortened season to the people who don't care as much, who, by the way, are not going to come crawling back quite so easily. There are going to always be people who are going to want to crack open a can of beer in June, kick their feet up, put them on a seat, watch three and a half innings of baseball, go eat a hot dog, come back, look through your program, hand it back to you, and then go home at the end of the day and ride the subway and enjoy singing uh, the fight song with the rest of the fans. But those people will be back. The diehards will be back, but they won't be happy about it. And the casuals may never come back. Yeah. Slippery slope. A new audience. How are you getting a new audience? Explain to me how you're getting a new audience. You just threw Shohei Otani's one of a kind, one of the best all around seasons in however many, you know, three across three generations in the toilet. How is this engaging fans? I I don't, I don't know how you're, you're going to build, you're going to build a larger fan base, which has been MLB's initiative for however, ever since Rob Manfred took took power with all of his little dinky rule changes and stuff. That's just not going to work. Baseball is baseball. It is what it is. And you have to figure out a way to market your best players um, and market the game itself to a new generation of fans. Um, Every other sports league does it. I know football and basketball might have more of a staying power and influence in terms of um, getting younger people to be engaged because of the entertainment value there. Baseball is different. It's its own, it's its own thing. It's why it's America's pastime. It's very much, it's very much its own. It's its own sector of sports that is unique, um, and they're ruining it because we haven't. We've been talking about the sport negatively for now four months, um, and we're going to miss a, maybe a month of the season. 
Um, so yeah, it's bad. It's, it's totally bad. And they're taking for granted the fans for what short-term profits they don't want to raise in. They don't want to raise salary based on inflation rates or cost of living raises. So it just goes to show that these guys don't care about anything aside from how much money they're making or how much money they can save over time. Um, and that's it for me today because I hate this. I hate this. At this yeah. point, it's turning into, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is episode 22 of the Yanks Yard podcast during a lockout. What are we going to do? We're just going to keep yelling about it. It's the same old shit. Um, we had some news today, which was nice, but just do other things right now. Don't pay attention to baseball. Don't give baseball your money. And buy Tops cards, because now my LB is not affiliated with Tops. Give Tops some money, dude. They're working hard. They're getting mm-hmm. us fun designs. Do that. Yeah, I'm going to staple the 2018 collective bargaining agreement to my nutsack. That's the latest trick. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. It is to the point where I am. I'm now annoyed by fans who are like annoyed that we're canceling games. That's that should not be where my brain is. When when a fan is like, oh, my God, it looks like they're really going to cancel games, aren't they? My first reaction is to be like, of course they are. Shut up. And yeah. that, why am I fighting with fans who are disappointed in the game of baseball just because I'm so jaded that I never had any expectations that they wouldn't be canceling games. It's a terrible place to be in. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, the final Yanks Go Yard podcast prior to, again, the big spooky deadline mm. uh, for cancellation of opening day and moving baseball to May. And and the owners are certainly, uh, it doesn't feel like they're bluffing and it doesn't feel like the players care. So Enjoy May opening day. Enjoy losing the first month of the season. I think they structured the season in the same way as during the 60 gamer. So they were not going to lose any Yankees Red Sox games because they know what they're getting into. And they're like, oh, let's just put those in June. Uh, so the Yankees are going to play like a 130 game schedule and they're still going to play the Red Sox 18 times. Awesome. Best of luck to my Bronx Bombers. Doesn't seem like that's going to go well for them. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Uh, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews if you want to. Put a mailbag question in there. We're running out of steam, so we're happy to answer it. And we're live on YouTube every Monday and Thursday for the remainder of the offseason, which, again, that's probably April as well. Uh, we're going to be here all offseason long and live if games ever do occur surrounding those important temple events. Again, at Adam Wander on Twitter, Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Mm, at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, folks, head on over to Yankstar.com. Plenty of content there for you. Uh, pop in the chat. The live We have a live chat here. It's crazy to what technology's done. Mondays mm-hmm. and Thursdays, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. At Yanks Go Yard FS, we're doing some polls there. Um, some mailbag situations so we can spice these up a little bit because uh, I'm sick of yelling into the void. I'd like to have conversations with people. Instead, it's just me with a wall behind me and yelling into a screen, and uh, we're waiting for a whole lot of nothing because these negotiations are going to drag on, and it's not going to be fun. Um, but until next time, we'll see you Thursday, 2 p.m. Hopefully, you have a little bit more news and discourse for you, um, and enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. We'll see you. Hey, we're going to be past the deadline, so we're going to have something for you. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see you Thursday. Enjoy the week, y'all. So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush that for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.